You are tuned into a Heads and Tails NFL Injury Report, where each week we discuss the latest injuries and sports health buzz surrounding the league in an attempt to make football safer to play at all levels. Dr. Wazim Bush provides expert medical insight, while my buddy Josh Boyd keeps us up to date on all current events and provides play-by-play analysis. And my name is Kevin Som, and I provide the perspective of a former player with a passion for changing a football culture that nearly took my life. If this is your first time to the show, I recommend checking out some of the athlete and expert interviews that we have previously published on this podcast. For detailed show notes and videos from this episode, go to headsandtails.org backslash injury reports. Welcome back to an all new episode of the Heads and Tails Injury Report. You are currently listening to week four of the 2018 NFL season. I'm here with my, my buddies, Josh Boyd and Dr. Wazim Buksh. I crushed it with your name, by the way. You totally did. It's the only one you get right for the <laughs> yeah. next hour. Well, I had to do like book. It's perfectly like done. The That's exactly time. how I tell people. Yeah. But nobody knows how to do it. Except for me. It's always like bookish. Booksha. It's probably not how I would have said it. Yeah. Well, you know, Josh doesn't <laughs> I don't, care. I don't have to just, say it either. So. <laughs> no, I just have to do that with every roster of the NFL and then I'll be good. Uh, but okay, you know, you guys know how how this works. We go through the injuries from uh, from this week, and then we move on to some other notable health and safety related topics. Um, this week we have some more roughing the passer issues. Um, we have the NFL way to play. Um, we finally saw uh, an athletic trainer pull a player from the the field from the booth, which was kind of cool. Uh, so there's there's some quick whistles going on. We got some passing stats to go over that are pretty interesting, um, and then we're going to finish off with a pretty tragic injury in college football. But to start off, let's go with the Seattle Seahawks Earl Thomas, uh, who's a safety and he has a leg fracture. All right, I'll I'll start off here. So this is uh, Earl Thomas, Pro Bowl, All Pro safety for the Seahawks. There's a lot of different angles to this, but we'll just go with the injury. We'll talk about the injury first, and then we'll talk about why this was a big news. But he had a leg fracture. Uh, happened on a touchdown pass. He was covering a guy in the end zone, like basically trailing a receiver. The receiver almost baseball slid to make the catch, like stopped short, and uh, Thomas was on his back running full speed. And when he slid, he kind of just like toppled over him. Kicked him in the back. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and he fractured his leg. So this is the same – leg that he fractured against the Patriots when he missed the missed the remainder of the season. I think that was two years ago. I don't think yeah, that was the last. Yeah, 2016. Yeah, two years ago. Um, and like after when that happened, it was like halfway through the year, immediately after the game, he sent out a tweet saying he was going to retire, like all this stuff. Like he's, from like a rehab perspective and all this stuff. Um, so it's the same leg. This one's not – It's he'll be out for the year. It's not as serious um, because there was no ligament damage. It was just a – a clean fracture, I guess, if you want to say. Um, but that's the injury itself. And then after Waj, well, you can talk a little bit about it, and then we'll come back and do some of the backstory about it. So really kind of weird um, kind of injury when when you look at the play and you're just like, oh, you know, you kind of see it happen and you're just like, he broke his leg? What? So, you know, 2016, he fractured that leg. And, you know, he didn't have a rod placement at that time. He actually didn't go through surgery apparently um and the thought the thought behind it is that hey was it possibly that the fracture itself was not displaced meaning that it wasn't moved from where it was um and that it stayed aligned and it allowed for you know relatively uh, good healing on its own by just being immobilized and it seems like this may be possibly related to the old one maybe you know there was some lingering um uh chinks in the armor there but this one light is should heal properly it should heal fine but the question is is he going to put a rod in it this time and and say hey you know what um kind of you know didn't do this before maybe this is going to give me a lot more stability um and you know talking to to some other uh docs about the same injury um the rod placement in there should give it a lot more stability and it, it should be done this time um if he chooses that route um he should actually heal pretty nicely he's going to have less mileage because now he's you know essentially done for the season right 
Um, we all know that part of it. But it sets him up for an interesting uh, offseason, which I think Josh is wanting to discuss on that, and I think we sh- uh, rightfully should. So, you know, just like Le'Veon was talking about, less mileage on my on my body, um, you know, he should be he should return to form, uh, even with the surgery. And I I think that he sets himself up pretty nicely for uh for a run in free agency. Before we get to the free agency talk, with that rod, does that get taken out before he plays again or does no, that stay in there? That stays in. That stays in and it provides stability. Bionic leg. Yep, that's all it is. And um, you know, he'll have that there. All right. Well, um, Joshua, go for it. Okay, so the, uh, what made this uh, bigger story than just the injury itself, I think, was um, if anyone saw, it was all over social media, he got put in an air cast, put on a cart, and as he was getting carted off the field, so he had to clear the end zone that he got hurt in, the tunnel that he was leaving was on the opposite side of the field. So he had to get carted basically from one end zone to the other. So he was on a cart on basically going right past the Cardinal sideline. And when he was on this cart, he put his middle finger up. Nah, that was his pinky. To that, his everybody's pinky. just totally, totally no. blowing it out of whack. That was his pinky. Middle finger to his sideline, right? Um, so basically, Earl Thomas was on the last year of his contract um, this year, and he wanted an extension from the Seahawks, um, basically guaranteeing future with the team. Um, and if they weren't willing to give him that, he wanted to be traded. There was a couple stories specifically about how he wanted to play for the Cowboys, and they played the Cowboys last year. And as soon as the game was over, he went into the Cowboys locker room and was like buddy, buddy, and talking to the head coach and all the other players on the team. Um, this year they played the Cowboys, and he was all over all the everybody on the team and warm-ups and everything. Um, and he's made he went to Texas. Um, he's from Texas. He's made it clear that he wants to play for the Cowboys. Um, so basically, if the Seahawks weren't going to pay him this preseason, he said he wanted to be traded. So he didn't come to training camp. He didn't play in the preseason. He showed up before uh, the start of the regular season, um, skip, skipped a couple practices, didn't show up. Um, but when the, convert, the games came, he's the best player on their defense still. They played him. He had two interceptions against the Cowboys. He had an interception in the first game. Um, But his whole theory or thought behind not showing up, one, he wanted to try to get the contract. Um, But two, he came in and played because he wanted, at the end of the day, unlike Le'Veon Bell, um, he wanted to get paid for the season. Um, So now he came in, he played, now he got hurt. Um, How much that affects the contract he's going to get this offseason as a free agent um, I can can be debated. Um, there were rumors that there was actually trades that were close, even leading up to this week. Um, obviously, that aren't going to happen now because he's hurting out for the year. Um, so it, it was uh, it was kind of interesting in that uh, how he handled it, the reaction to his reaction getting hurt uh, by the media, and um, a lot a lot of players uh, kind of had his back in the sense that um, this is why they hold out. You got to get your money, all this stuff. I don't know. I kind of go back and forth on it. But at the end of the day, like, you understand where he wants to get paid and you're afraid to get hurt. But he he's under contract. He has a year left on his contract. Yes, everybody wants to try to get extended. But, um, I mean – there's only so much you can. There's only so much you can do. I mean, everyone's under the same risk of getting hurt. Um, so I don't know. What do you? What do? You, what do you guys think about uh, his reaction? Maybe some player's reaction to his injury and all that kind of stuff. Well, Waz, what do you think? I mean, based off of what you said with his injury, he'll probably come back and he could probably perform at the same level. So it shouldn't impact his next contract all that much, you would think. But I mean. I'm always I'm in the camp that I th- I think the players should get the money when they can. You know, like yeah. you're only in the league for so long. Yeah. So I'm all for average career is 2 to 3 years, right? So you've you've got X amount of time and a lot of these guys unfortunately don't, you know, they come out of college without a college degree, right? And they have to go back for their degrees and so on. So they're not set up to be like, "Oh, well, 
you know, I got injured. I'm done with the NFL. Here's my next aspect of life, right? There's a lot of thought process behind it and trying to figure out where they go from there to be successful and to utilize what they've earned in their careers already to set them up for the rest of their lives. You know, nobody thinks that they're going to be retired at the age of 25, 28, whatever the case may be, right? So, you know, I definitely am in, I understand it from his standpoint too. Get your money when you can because you never know when you're, when you're taking your last step in, in the game, right? One of these injuries can, can just blow everything for you. And while he should be good, doesn't necessarily mean that he will be, right? You never know with some of these injuries. Sometimes people just don't come back. Statistically speaking, he should be all right. But the question is, there, there's going to be a lot of teams that say, do I believe he's going to play at the level that he did when he was part of the Legion of Boom? Right? Yeah. I mean, and you said you had something to say about Le'Veon, though, right? Yeah, well, there's Le'Veon now that he's not playing football is all over social media and uh, he's commenting on a bunch of posts. He's got and time to, stuff uh, on Twitter. to do that, yeah. And uh, uh, Earl Thomas put up a post or somebody, one of the national media outlets put up a post about Earl Thomas and or Le'Veon made a comment like, he'll be the bad guy for everybody. But like, I, I don't think what Le'Veon's doing is going to change anything on a grand scale for players like like him not coming is I it's only hurting himself because he's in a little different situation because he's under a franchise tag that is his contract like Earl Thomas had a year left on his contract um and that's kind of where I agree with you in the sense that they should try to they should try to get money when they can but at the end of the day they like you 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 use the leverage that you have which is not being there but that can also have the adverse effect of like, Maybe we don't need you. Yeah, not not <laughs> being there. And, uh, I mean, that could have a negative impact on contracts that you could get in the future. So, I mean, you really – you don't – and that's kind of what the players feel is you don't have a lot of leverage. Like, you're under contract. That's kind of what it is. Like, if the team's willing to pay you, that's great. And if you can get an extension done, that's awesome. But uh, if they're not going to give you an extension and you're under contract, you really – you don't have a ton of options. You know what I mean? So – yeah, you want to get your money when you can, but uh, and with the Le'Veon situation, it's like I said, it's different because he's not under contract. They put him on the franchise tag. Um, he didn't sign it, so he's physically losing money every game that he doesn't show up. Right. Um, so like, is it worth like you're holding out yeah. to get paid, but you're right. now you're not getting paid yeah. because you're yeah. holding at out. the end of yeah. the day, the amount of money that you're not gonna make this season by whenever you do show up, but the money that you're not making. Uh, by not coming in, is that going to be outweighed by the money that you'll make next offseason when you get a free agency deal? Is this whole drama make you a little bit less, maybe if not a lot, a little bit less um, valuable or wanted by other teams? I just You're betting on yourself. That's what you're doing. He's got confidence. I mean, he's been the best at running back in the NFL for the Absolutely. last couple of years at least. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, – no, I don't disagree with that, but it's, it's uh, like you said like, – He's just in a little bit different situation because of his contract situation. But he's, I mean, he's already lost over three and a half million dollars. Like, is he going to make three and a half million dollars over the course of his next contract? That's chump over, change. Over, Absolutely. Over, he's going to get paid. Well, yeah, he's going to get paid three. But is he, is he going to get paid three and a half million more than he would have if he played? You know what I mean? Like, he's going to get that money next year no matter what. Yeah. But he can't get this money back. Yeah. So. But I think what he's saying is like, he could, he can get hurt and never get that money. Exactly. It's more of like a long-term for focus Absolutely. as opposed to like the here and now. And that's like we talk about that with injuries in general. Yeah. Like when you have that here and now mindset, you don't last. Yeah. You know, and you're never going to get that money. Whereas if you kind of focus on the long run, yeah, I'm losing $3 million now, which to us is like, well, I could do – I could probably retire with $3 million. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's thinking like, all right, well, I could exp exponentially make, you know, this much more if I just kind of – Hang on, and it's the old marshmallow trick, right? Yeah, what, what's that yeah. study? Like, <laughs> you, you like leave a kid in the room with like a marshmallow, and like you tell him like, if you hold on for like twenty minutes, I'll give you another marshmallow if cookies? you don't eat it. I think it's cookies. I've heard it with cookies. I think. This is, I don't you know, know if I've ever heard of some sort of sweet treat. No, but, I yeah, I, <laughs> I, 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 Le'Veon did a good job I, at that, at that, uh, in that study. I, I think. totally get it. I just he's I, in in my view, yes, he could he he could always get hurt, um, but anybody could get hurt. It's just like 
he's going to make a very similar amount next year, no matter what happens this year. So, like, I just, I, you'd think he's going to come out with less money at the end because he's not getting the money that he should be getting this year. Hmm. We'll see. I don't we'll know. see how it plays out. You know, in all of this, you know what I find ironic? One bird was playing another bird, and then they got flipped the bird. Oh, okay. I don't know. I think we should let our audience <laughs> ponder that one. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a bit of a impulse decision to flip the bird. But, you know, like, you just broke your leg in front of, like, 50,000 people. <laughs> and you were, you know, potentially going to get traded and get a new contract. So Emotions. I'd be pretty mad. Yeah, <laughs> emotional. <laughs> you can't, can't, quite, can't I, quite blame him. I think he didn't want to play. He didn't want to be playing. Uh, he felt like he had to be playing. He felt like he was forced to be playing. But he didn't want to be playing because he didn't want to get hurt. But, I mean, in the, the day, if you don't want to get hurt, that's when you get hurt. That's when you get hurt. Deep thoughts of the night. Very deep. Uh, okay, we spent enough time on that. <laughs> okay, so New England Patriots, Rob Gronkowski, tight end with an ankle. This dude's, like, always banged up. Yeah. You know, I don't think there was a video on this at all. I didn't, I didn't see anything about it, um, which leads me to believe that it's probably not that serious because usually yeah. we'll see something, we'll hear something. Um, if I'm guessing, he's he's – playing thursday no right. doubt about it they but said he, he probably is yeah he probably but he is he's always banged up it's but just gronk like you said he's so big and it's so hard to tackle and the tackles that they you've seen people make on him before just kind of lend itself more to injury than anything else and if, if he gets an ankle and if he has an ankle injury like he did this past week i could probably guess how it happened that someone was trying to bring him down bring and kind of use their body weight yeah. Similar to the next injury like, that we're about to talk about. Whoa. There's well definitely done. a video for this one. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals tight end Tyler Eifert. Oh. Eifert. Yes. Eifert, right, because yes. like, it's like I fart yes. kind of thing. Yes. Oh. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, this dude definitely broke his ankle. So, uh, maybe Josh, you give us a rundown of the play. Waz, you uh, – you, you tell us what's what's in store for Mr. Eifert. Quick, yeah, it was just a, like a tight end screen pass. He was just lined up on the end of the line of scrimmage. Quick screen, turned around, caught the ball at the line. Farted a little. Trying to <laughs> trying to get upfield. Open it propelled. Grow him. up, dude. Immature, Seriously. Immature Kev as usual. <laughs> um, and he gets, he got almost dragged down from behind. He just got his ankle caught underneath the defender, and it was uh, ugly, to say the least. Yeah, basically, um, you know, I think there's a, a video on, on the website about this. Mo multiple videos. Yeah, if you are squeamish, don't look at this one. Um, so <laughs> basically, like Josh said, uh, basically uh, tackled from behind, defender f fell on the back of his right ankle. Um, and what he suffered was a right ankle fracture dislocation with ligament damage, just a whole bunch of ligamentous tears. It's very similar to what Delaney Walker suffered, right, um, earlier this year. It's pretty much exactly the same. But the ankle remained dislocated for an extended period of time, and um, the training staff had to reduce the ankle on the field per multiple reports. Um, pretty, pretty gruesome injury. Um, you know, it, it's, he should, like these other guys, return to full uh, capacity. Um, you know, it, it's, it's similar to Odell Beckham Jr., Marcus, um, uh, Derek Carr, all of these guys. Uh, obviously done for the year. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk, I know, um, amongst other people on Twitter, um, but Dr. David Chow kind of addressed this particular um, uh, chatter about whether or not Eifert is injury prone. And, you know, he's suffered multiple, multiple injuries for over the last couple of years. Ever since he became a, a, a pro bowler, it was like the beginning of the end, you know? Um, but what, what uh, Dr. Chow kind of alluded to was just the simple fact that, look, look at the mechanism by which this injury happened. You can't prevent that, you know? Getting tackled from behind, um, and, and I think he, he talked about like horse collar tackles, similar way, dragging them down. You can roll onto the ankle and cause these types of injuries. So, you know, 
I don't think that that Eifert is is injury prone, and I agree. You know, um, I think he's going to come back strong with this, and similar to these other guys that that have gone through the injury as well. Yeah, some guys are just. It seems like uh, it's the injury bit, bug catches yeah, them. Yeah, That's bitten it. by bad luck. I yeah. mean, if you want to call it injury prone or not injury prone, it just kind of stinks that he had a back injury and he missed a year, and then he had a foot injury last year and he missed the first six weeks, and then. He came back. He just never was never right. Yeah. And now he breaks his ankle. It's um, so uh, maybe it's not so much he's prone to injury, but injuries are prone to him, yeah. which is just it's just bad. It's almost just bad. I see luck. what he did there. I don't know. Did you? I was thinking about my next thought, so I wasn't really paying attention. Uh, to be completely honest, but okay. I'm sure it was great. <laughs> but speaking of my next thought, uh, so Doctor Chow was saying, like, how often do we see this exact? Injury on not I'm not talking like dislocated ankle, but like broken leg because of this like mechanism. Ten, fifteen times a year, probably. Yeah, I mean to me, it seems like a significant amount of time that it's worthy of like, all right, what can we do possibly to prevent something like this from happening? Absolutely. All right, Kev, you saw the play. What can? I'm just thinking like if we're we're throwing all this money into concussions and helmet design and running all these tests here, like. You're telling me that you can't develop like some sort of like ankle brace that at least like gives a little more reinforcement. Not with that tough. Yeah. You know it's, that it's not always the ankle too. Yeah. Sometimes it's it's the it's the lower leg. Sometimes it's a knee. It's like you can't can't uh, strap wood wooden boards to the guy's yeah. legs and make you run run well, straight like a like a nutcracker. It may make you fracture the thing even more because he in this case his his foot got stuck and the guy fell on him so now pretend that you've that ankle can't bend in any shape or form right it's not going to be able to adapt to some of it some of that strain too and you can get an even worse fracture from it okay picture this oh geez like a a swivel insole (laughs) in your shoe so say like you know what i mean like if your yeah. if your foot's planted, I'm just like spewing stuff because obviously my first idea was not a great one. No, I understand what you're saying, but this is this then is we're the just one tear more yeah. ligaments too. This is the one football injury, like you said, that we see a lot. That it's not a penalty for doing something's never going to prevent it. A brace is never going to prevent it. it. Nothing. It's there's nothing dirty about these plays. Um, but when you're dealing with the athletes, the size of the athletes. Um, I mean, if I fell on your ankle, you could kick me off like a fly. But if a 275-pound linebacker falls on your ankle with all his weight, I mean, there's really nothing you can do about it. I think we need a a segment for Boydcast. I think we need some stats on how many lower extremity ankle uh, or lower extremity injuries there have been so far as compared to last last season. I mean, it's staggering. And I think all of it, it has to do with the new rules that, that are in play. I'm also thinking like a turf versus grass deal too. We've, we've talked about it a little bit in the past. I don't know if that – I think it does. We, there's, we, you looked up things that said it, it doesn't have an impact. Yeah. Kinda, I think it kind of does, but I don't know. All right. Kevin, shut the hell up with your stupid <laughs> ideas. Uh, all right. Next injury is – Yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> Next injury is uh, one that we've talked about for the, every week this season, it feels like. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, Leonard Fournette with that freaking nagging hammy again. Yeah, it has been every week. Week one, he got hurt. Week two, he didn't play. Week three, he didn't play. Week four, he was active, played, and hurt at hammy. Is again. he on a contract year? He's like just trying to – No, this is second year. No. I it's mean, on a contract year on my fantasy team, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but Jeez. I, and this is but you were uh, praising them for taking the what is it, the long play or what you, what were you Yeah, the long yeah. The long uh, the long game. Playing yeah, the long playing game. Playing the long game. Uh and as much as you would like to do that, that's great. But sometimes with these soft tissue injuries, you can play the long game as much as you want. Uh, and you can think you're hundred percent, but then when you come back and and go at it again, it's it's not as good as you think it is, regardless of how safe you're trying to be. Um, and that's uh, regardless of, like I said, how safe you're trying to be and how uh, how much you want to try to wait till you get to 100%. Sometimes with hammies, quads, um, like I said, these soft tissue injuries, you just you can't predict it until you get back in the full full speed action again. Yeah, it goes back to like the first time that we talked about it. You know, these these uh, injuries are are pretty unpredictable. Hamstring injuries sometimes can take a week. Sometimes can take you eight to 10 weeks, you know, 
the Jaguars now have seen, hey, you know what? We waited. We put him back in. We're not going to make the same mistake again. We're going to wait till he's absolutely 100% before we put him back in. You know, they're, they're rolling right now. Do they need Fournette right now? No. So they're going to take they're going to take their time with him in his recovery. He's got to show in practice, you know, for consecutive days that he can make it through full practice without any pain. And then they're going to say, "All right, you know what? We're good. We'll put you back in." I'm going to say this is going to be a good at least 2 weeks that 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 he uh takes. Usually I mean with with these things you usually see double the amount of time yeah of the first the time. Of, of the last time yeah. like with these types of injuries. Um so like I say he missed 2 weeks so I would expect him to be 4 weeks. I don't know when their bye week is but I mean and and that's not to say he could miss 6 weeks and come back Thanksgiving and it could and it could happen again. Absolutely. There's not there's not to say just because they wait an extended period doesn't mean he'll be free and clear by the end of the season. Correct. All right. Next injury up is Tennessee Titans safety, Kenny Vaccaro. Well done. Yes. Well done. Uh, with Nailed a it. significant elbow injury. Yeah, no video on this, but the, there was a picture. It looked pretty nasty. So that's all I got to add was. It, like, <laughs> that's all I got to say about well, that. What can you see from the picture of it? So uh, he has a dislocated elbow in that picture. Um, and he's showing no no emotion whatsoever on his face he's like stone cold uh stone cold killer in that um you know these are these are uh strange injuries they you know you can get them uh relocated um back or reduced back uh right by the training staff um that day or um obviously right when he went to the sidelines um look for potential of two to four weeks um out coming back in a cast and possibly putting a plate in there to uh, secure the bones that are in there. There's potential that there was a fracture. We don't have any x-rays. We don't have any film. It's a lot of speculation with it. So um, I would anticipate two to four weeks. I hear he's super ridiculously tough. So maybe, um, you know, towards the earlier portion of that uh, recovery time. All right. Next injury up, Seattle Seahawks, Will Disley, tight end with a patellar tendon tear. He looked like he was just running toward the sideline and almost got shot by a BB gun. That's basically it. A BB gun. I don't want to say a real gun. It's a strong that's, yeah. BB that's gun. Too, uh, too serious. You remember um, Victor Cruz? Yeah. Exactly the same thing. It looked like he was just shot. You know, um, Jimmy Graham suffered the same uh it was like as he's decelerating or you know sometimes it, i didn't see the actual video to this but y- it can be uh, on the plant um just it, coming down from the it deceleration it looked like he was decelerating yeah yep. um and then it's just so much force that that patellar tendon attaches on the the kneecap to the shin bone and so much force is coming forward that it just rips it off and pops it um he's obviously out for the the season um you know, what is that patellar tendon responsible for? It's part of what we call the extensor mechanism of the knee, which is the quads, the quad tendon, the kneecap, and the patellar tendon. Um, and what they do is they work in conjunction to straighten your knee. Um, without it, you, you basically are, can't even extend that foot. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Is that like the, wow. when, when you're little and the doctors hit that? So, yeah. We hit the patellar tendon because it's the patellar reflex, and then your your leg just flies out. Everybody knows when you're little there. at the doctor, and you're hanging your legs over the table, and they get that little rubber thing, and they, boop, and then your foot flies up in the air. I do it every day. Every day? That's gotta be fun. <laughs> Does that ever get old? No, people love it. People love it. They, <laughs> it's like the best thing in the world. They're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, but was I have a cold? <laughs> Don't worry about it. We need to check this. Okay, it has nothing to do with your cold. <laughs> but in terms of uh will disley's uh disposition for this uh obviously he's completely out for the year um you know look at jimmy graham now he looks slower than before he doesn't look as explosive look at victor cruz he never really fully recovered from this will will disley is young rookie he's yeah. super young rookie. so 
I'm hoping that, you know, age really uh, bodes well for him in this case and that he comes back to it. Um, but I would anticipate that he has a little bit um, of a decrease in his speed and explosiveness. All right. Next injury up. Cleveland Browns, Terrence Mitchell. Mitchell, sorry. Not, not Michelle. <laughs> that, that uh, was... Cornerback with a fractured forearm. Yeah, so this one I couldn't see any video of either. It looked know. like it was just like hanging. Yeah. Uh, I saw like a picture that looked like he just got a helmet right to the forearm. To the forearm. Yeah. Yeah, so this is obviously fractured. Um, again, a lot of these can kind of recover um, in a cast and potentially come back um, after at least eight weeks or so. Um, you know, it, it's a tough injury. Um, it's not unheard of that he's going to come back because it's really early in the season. Um, so I would anticipate eight, ten weeks he'll be back. Okay. I skipped one. Tampa Bay Buccaneers tight end OJ Howard with an MCL. We've talked about MCLs a few times on yeah. the, the pod this, this season. Yeah, it's that inside seatbelt in the knee. So um, it looks like he tore it, um, whether or not it's a partial tear or a full tear. Looks like he's out between two and four weeks. Um, so uh, pick up Cameron Brait. I think that uh, Winston has a, a, a much better um, rapport with uh, Brait. Um, than he does uh, anybody else on that team, really, for in terms of tight ends, obviously. Pick him up next week, though. They yeah. buy this week. Very true. There you go. Ah, which, which, which helps for the injury because it's one, yes. one, uh, one extra week of uh, healing time. Yes. There you go. Uh, last injury in this little segment is uh, Minnesota Vikings long snapper. First time we had a long snapper, <laughs> I think, on the, yeah. on the show. This is Josh's input. Uh, Kevin McDermott. And uh, I believe he hurt his fingertip. Yeah, that's what they said, said on Twitter that he tip. he just just the tip he uh, <laughs> tore off a piece of his pinky on it. I got I guess he said I got caught in a face mask and he came back right. Yeah. Yeah. So these are these are two things, two injuries. The last two are I guess the Browns injury and the Vikings injury here that uh, it's surprising to me that doesn't happen more. Like yeah. One, I'm support I'm surprised you don't see more broken hands, forearms from helmet contacts. Um, did you see? I mean, you see a lot of helmet on arm, helmet well, on hand. Well, back in my day, I used to have like my hands were permanently swollen the entire season just from getting like helmets yeah. there, shoulder pads, people stepping on them. Like it was just puffy, infected, and like it was. Yeah. And, uh, and for All the like ladies, this, like uh, drawing the ladies. Yep. I guess, I mean, I guess they have gloves and stuff. You have some sort of, but I'm surprised you don't see more. Long snappers probably don't wear gloves. I'm saying they don't Gotta wear gloves. Got to have a feel. Got to get that feel. So they're know? more likely to get their fingers stuck in face masks, I guess. But still, I'm surprised. And you're on the field for like six plays a game. <laughs> That's true. The The big thing about this injury is that the pinky is actually um, one of the more important uh, pieces for grip. So, you know, he's um, he's obviously grabbing the ball and gripping the ball and snapping it. Um Without that pinky, he's not going to have a, a good grip, and you're going to get a whole lot of wobbly balls out. Wobbly, wobbly, wobble, wobble. We should have called in James Crash to get his opinion on, uh, on on the Kevin McDermott injury to see how this would affect the long snapping. That would have been great. I should have done it. And then to to your point, Josh, I you know, <laughs> one of the things that we do see, we, we might actually see a little bit more of hand injuries in high school football um and it definitely is true you do get hit in the hands a ton with helmets and things like that and so um commonly we'll get um what's called a boxer's fracture and yeah. that is a misnomer because if you're really a boxer you wouldn't fracture that that uh that pinky finger you punch and whenever you you're 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 punching you want to lead with your first two knuckles your index finger and your middle uh finger because they've got they're bigger if you look at them so they they can uh, take a lot more load. Um, it's people who don't really know how to like punch that break that. It's like that half slap, half punch, like meh. like hey, um, and it's just like you 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 hit this this knuckle that can't take a lot of um, weight bearing, and it fractures pretty easy. 
we see it a lot in the the high school levels. I've seen it a couple of times already for this year in the games that I've covered. So, um, but yeah, you know, I think maybe as as people as these guys are um, uh, going through the ranks, they understand how better to use their hands um, in games and to deflect blows. So, all right. So now we're on to a topic that it is like deja vu every week. We've been talking about it. And that's the roughing the passer rule. And the NFL came out with an explanation of, so they gave some videos, which are on the, the blog post, if you want to check it out, of what they're looking for in a good tackle. And then also uh, like examples of illegal hits. Um, but I think still after this, in week four, it's still confusing, even after the videos, uh, based off of some of the calls that, that occurred uh, in this past weekend. They didn't change the rule. I guess that's what we talked about last week. Um, if we thought they were going to change it, should they change it? That was the uh, topic of discussion last Tuesday. So with this explanation, they came out and said that they're, no, they're, there's no changes to the rule. I guess they just tried to clarify it a little bit. Um, in my opinion, watching the games, I think you can start to see a little bit of uh, adjustments by by defensive players, I, I, I think. Um, uh, for as much as uh, hubbub there was about it and complaint that you can't uh, change it, uh, change how you how you affect, and sometimes you can't. I think the majority of the time, Nick, as you're seeing, they're they're making adjustments and they're falling to the side and they're wrapping and, and not tearing their ACLs, not tearing their ACLs this week. Um, and regardless, they're still going to be bad calls. Like just 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 because they clarified this rule doesn't mean they're gonna the refs are gonna get everyone right. Um we we have a video of a referee the passer call on Baker Mayfield against one of the forty uh Raiders players from this week. Ridiculous. Um, and it was like uh stupidest thing. But you can see why like in my opinion, I don't think it's a foul, but you can see why it is a foul because the defender lowers his head. So regardless of how much contact is made, the ref sees the head go down and any contact now um, gets a flag. So yeah, is it a bad call? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's just you're gonna you're 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 gonna get bad calls. It's just it's kind of the way of the world with it. And there was a lot of bad calls this week. Yeah, you're sure. changing you're changing all all of these games, the outcomes of these games. You know, these calls are just not just that they're bad. It's you know, these are important calls throughout the game. They're momentum shifters, you know, and that's huge. Yeah, I mean, we, we have this later in the in, in the pod, but I, if you can circle it around, like, in, just because it's in the same game, there was two plays in the Browns-Raiders games this, this this week that were quick, quick whistles, sort of, that drastically changed the game. I mean, one was on Marshawn Lynch, and you can kind of understand why it was blown dead. He was running out to the side. He was being slung around. He's kind of in the grass, but at the end of the day, it's Marshawn Lynch. Like, we've seen him do crazy shit. Beast mode. And, Beast mode. <laughs> and he did. He broke, like, three tackles, and you don't know. Maybe the defensive guys heard the whistle, but uh, they, they blew it dead. He got punted the ball. Somehow didn't get a flag for it. Um, but the other one is – so the, the, the Browns are up late in the fourth quarter – David Carr goes back to pass and gets basically engulfed by three defenders, his offensive linemen. He's not even being touched yet, but the ref anticipates the contact that's clearly coming because it's like a, it's, it's like uh, if you were getting crushed by two waves at the same time, coming from opposite direction somehow. Scary. That's what that's what it looked like it was going to happen, and you could see the ref like could see it and already started to move in and blow his whistle. Before he even gets in the grasp of any defender, the first contact pops the ball up, clear recovery by the Browns, probably would have been a touchdown, and the ref had already blown the play dead. And like it, that's got to be uber frustrating for Browns fans. Yeah. Because it's just, there's, there's, there's no excuse for that. But in today's game of player safety and especially quarterback safety, it, it's, it's bad. It's a wrong call. It's frustrating. But I kind of feel like it just kind of comes with the territory in football these days. There's nothing you can – I hate to say there's nothing you can do about it, but did there, it? there's not a lot you can do about it. Did it cost Browns fans more beer? No, no no more beer, unfortunately. There, that was a one-time only thing. But it just – I understand the sacrifice, but it just kind of – I don't know. Yeah. It's But it's – 
that's what you, that's where you're gonna get. I mean, in in the past, you would never get you never got these quick whistles, but yeah. it's just that's kind of the way that they've been going with it. I don't know. So, uh, we have a guest calling in uh, right now. It's uh, Evan from Hoboken. What? Um, yeah. Hey, hi. Thanks for having me on. First time caller. Love the show. I'm glad. First, first time caller, long time listener. <laughs> long time listener, first time caller. I yeah, love what you guys do. Great. So we were just talking about the uh, roughing the passer rule, a lot of quick whistles going on. Mm-hmm. And we were wondering, do you think that's affecting the game? You know, I, I, I personally do. And I'm, maybe I'm slightly biased coming from the, uh, the Giants-Saints game this weekend, but I do feel like some of these personal foul calls, they, they have good intent. They want to make the game safer, but 15 yards is a lot, especially when it's a, a game of field position, like a lot of the coaches say. And uh, I think that some of these may have to just start being reviewed because it really does impact the game. Some of these whistles that we talk to analysts and the players, they're, they're not sure what to do. And there's even coaches saying they don't know how to coach the players on on what to do out there in certain instances. So I think especially the rough and the passer calls on the QBs and the call that I'm thinking of is the, the Camara play in the Saints game, the tackle where he got brought down by his shoulder. I mean, if that's reviewable, that comes back and, and those 15 yards and so loss of down. So for, and I, and I completely, I, I agree. I don't disagree with you, but um, in order for it to realistically happen, I feel like, so they do. They have some calls, penalties that are reviewable now. Um, like mm-hmm. twelve men on the field is reviewable. Um, obviously, that's cut and dry. That's not a judgment call. Um, but that's pretty much it. Uh, like, what's the best suggestion for what can be reviewable, what can't be reviewable? Um, like a lot of these roughing the passer calls that we've seen and that everyone's criticized so widely. Almost every one of them, the league has came, come out and said that they're that they've been right based on the rule. Um, but it, if can can you make everything reviewable? I guess is is my question. Yeah, you know, I I definitely think there has to be a balance. I mean, I made a comment this weekend that I think there's a couple of points you have to you have to look at. Right, the NFL wants games to move quicker, and I know the MLB looked at that too when they added replay. Um, there, there is always going to be a human element to these professional sports. Sorry, I'm commuting home, so it's probably a little loud. But um, you know, for me, I think maybe take a play out, of, take a page out of the college rule book. I mean, they they don't eject the player based on just kind of the initial call, right? They go to a replay and make sure that it was in fact targeting, and then the player, if it is deemed targeting, they they take the player out of the game. So, yeah, it might slow the game down, but, I mean, you're talking about wins and losses here, potentially. If you look at the Packer and Viking game, you're talking about a potential win and a loss by calling one of those rough in the passer calls. And I know you say the league, I know you're saying the league stood up for that one. I, I haven't seen if the league said anything about the Kamara uh, personal foul call, horse collar call, but I, I doubt that they would say that that was the proper call. Um, so, to, I mean, to me, it's integrity and safety. So the integrity of the game is a big piece, and you're talking about players and teams losing games because of a missed call. I just I'm not so sure. I think that's right. I'd rather have the game be slowed down and make sure the call is the right call. Yeah, and I and I agree. I, I just think the last thing I'll say, it just from a I guess my um, suggestion or why I think it would it hasn't happened yet is because I feel like the NFL doesn't want to pick and choose what penalties they yeah. that can be reviewed and can't be reviewed um and some judgment calls just can't like i don't think pass interference will ever be a reviewable play as much as it right. probably should be mm-hmm. and which probably even has a bigger impact than these personal foul penalties do like we talked about in the off season some of these pass interference calls are 50 yard penalties yeah um, that's fair and, and I don't think they'll ever get to a point where those are reviewable. And I don't, but I also don't know if I'll, we'll ever get to a point where they are willing to open up to every penalty. Um, and I don't know if they want to pick out like, yeah, like last night in the Monday night game, uh, that third down play in the fourth quarter, the chiefs hit a with 30, the clock at 35 yard pass on a delay of game. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you was, can't review that either. And that's and that's pretty cut and dry. But you can't re- can't review a delay a game. Can't re- horse collar is pretty cut and dry. You can see it. Um, I just wish there was a way um, that there's 
a ref in on on site that can yep. be like the booth ATC. Yeah, <laughs> like oh guys, that call wasn't right. And like if he can see it in five seconds, if it's clear enough where he can see it in five to ten seconds, it doesn't slow the game down. No one needs to challenge it. All right, they threw the flag. They can huddle up. There's there the head ref has a mic up to the guy. If you can see it in five seconds, you can change a call. If it's yeah. close enough where you can't, it's gonna take you a minute or two to decide. All right, whatever, leave it. You know, uh, right, Evan, right. Thanks. Like the like the guy calling concussion, the guy that's uh, overwatched for concussions, right? Correct. Yeah. Hey, Evan, Ev, thanks. Uh, yeah. Thanks for your call, buddy. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll look for you, forward to your call in, in a in a different week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate uh, it. Guys. All right. See you, buddy. You know, I, I as as a Giants fan, I echo what uh, Evan says, and um, I think the other thing too is like, you know, emphasizing, hey, you know, yes, it'll slow down the game, but you know, in other sport, sports such as soccer, we have VAR, right? But again, I think the the big point of that is the simple fact that the person that's initiating the review it's always going to be subjective it's always going to be a matter of opinion so we're always going to be pissed off about some call or or that was or wasn't called yeah and that's the issue i you know even if they had this magical person that does all of this stuff and calls it down maybe maybe he's wrong yeah Yeah. you know And, and like like the play in question that evan was talking about even from the TV angle, live, it looked like a horse collar. Like right. just, and with so many refs on the field, it only takes one person to be in the angle that for it to look like a penalty, to and then for him to come in, even when they huddle up, and them to keep it a penalty. So like, I can completely see uh, why it was called a penalty. But then when you get the replay and you get the other angles and you slow it down, um, yeah, it's just. But there's always you can't take the human element out of every sport. I mean, I kind of made the comparison to baseball. Baseball's really expanded instant replay, right? But at the end of the day, what's not reviewable in baseball? Right. Balls and strikes, right. and that's more of a human element than anything. Mm-hmm. And teams lose games all the time based on balls and strikes. Um, those aren't reviewable. Uh, so I mean, it's very similar. It's got some similar attributes in, fo- in football. And pe- I mean, to me, the 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 biggest thing that you can do to change this is get younger more qualified better officials i know those don't grow on trees but i mean watch a couple nfl games a week those guys are dinosaurs um the refs need to be better like it's that's well it's like one of those like bring back those clubs where like you you wait your whole life to get this job so you're never gonna leave Yeah. yeah yeah but i mean you can say anything you want about reviewing it and yeah but at the end of the day like those guys need to get the calls right. I mean, that's the bottom line. Uh, and I know you can say it's a fast game, and there's and it's and it's and it's hard, and there's different right. angles, and you can make all the excuses. Maybe you want, pay but. them more so that's their full time job. A lot yeah. of these guys have like correct full time jobs throughout the week, and this isn't their full time gig. Correct. Pay them right. more so they can fully immerse themselves in the rules and be more conditioning. Yeah, yeah, conditioning. They can run down the field faster. Injury know. prevention. I don't know. Ed Hockley made a lot of money. Well, I'm not saying he, he didn't. Yeah. I, well, that I was – I mean, when they went on strike three, four years ago, that was the original ca- case for the refs, that they weren't they weren't full-time and all this stuff. And and, and the NFL feels like it's – this again, it's money you can save. It's corners you, you, you can cut. But, I mean, there's uh, – well, I don't think we'll ever get to a point where we won't have refereeing issues every single week. I mean, you play enough games that – Yeah, it's part of the game. Something happens yeah. in every game. But, um, to me, that's the best, most realistic solution is for – the refs to be better. Yeah, and I don't think fans are really going to care about reviewing it, especially if it works out in their team's favor. Uh, but I think it's good what Evan said, too. It's like, yeah, maybe take a, a page out of the college book and just do it, at least start with, like, the ejectable penalties and review those. Uh, but, yeah. All right, we'll we'll move on. So we haven't talked about this freaking helmet rule. Oh, like, there's nothing I, to talk about. Yeah. Because they don't call it, yeah. Yeah. No. And there was one example in last night's game with Kareem Hunt. You want to explain that run there, Josh? Uh, he was Kareem Hunt. Was, I mean, all three of those running backs last night were the two running backs on Monsters. Denver and Kareem Hunt were running hard. Yeah, there was open holes to be run through. Yeah. They were they were bearing down on secondary guys and build up a, some speed working downhill a, there. Yeah, yeah, they had a lot of open field. But I mean, there was one play specifically. It's all over Twitter that Kareem Hunt just full uh, chest parallel to the ground, head down speared into the guy and it's just it's it's a run that you've that we've seen countless times yeah. over the in, in in football um and it's just it's 
it's not be it's not being called and this is kind of isn't he just running hard yes and he's also yes he's running hard and i don't think there's i i don't know if i think there's anything wrong with it um running with gusto yeah. as they say i mean is it a penalty based on the rule change that they made in the preseason now yes should it should it have be i don't know um but if you're going to make it a rule change you should call it but like we said when this rule happened this was one of the options right this was one of the options of the rule change. They just did it to do it in March because they could and they could show how player safety and concussions, but when the season starts, they're not going to call any of it. So what's the difference between this play and the Baker Mayfield hit? The one that we called roughing the passer? Mm-hmm. Well, if anything, this one's worse. Yeah. Oh, no, it, 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 I mean, it, he, it, it's a lot worse. It's yeah. just they're actually emphasizing the roughing the passer penalty. Yeah. It, they're not emphasizing that. I think it's rule. the fact that there was a quarterback. Right, involved. the position. Yeah. yeah. They don't care about the the lineman that's getting a head to the chest a la Zinedine Zidane, you know what I mean? So I just think they're very aware of, like, you. we see how much uh, pushback they have to the roughing the passer calls. If they call the, this Kareem Hunt play consistently, mm-hmm. I think they're really afraid of the fan pushback to it not being football. I honestly think that's it. But they've backed themselves into a corner of that being a foul based on the rule that they made up. So they should be calling it, but I think if they do call it, they feel like they're going to get a lot of backlash because fans don't want it to be called. I, I, I feel like they get away with it because there's that little wrinkle in the rule that says, like, bracing for contact is makes it excluded. But, like, you brace for contact on every, every single play. <laughs> yeah, but, like, that, they could just like, well, he was bracing for contact. That's why he lowered his head. Uh, but in the end, like that's what they kind of did that on purpose so they can get away from calling it at all. I mean, um, to me, if they actually enforce this particular this rule in particular with the running backs, they would save the running backs like long term health. Like it's those kind of hits and those kind of plays that'll beat up a running back, and with those long term effects of concussions and head trauma, like that's how I ran the ball, and it didn't work out well for me. And these guys have played another 10 years more than I have. Like, just imagine how many more times they've hit their head like that. It's like... I feel like we could come up with a segment called Brace for Impact and just have just play after play after play. Twitter video after Twitter video on there showing exactly like, this. Well, yeah, exactly. Basically, Kev, your thought is that they should be calling this. I think they can make a big difference in terms of like the long-term health of the players if they did call it. So you think they should be calling it, basically? Yeah. What about what about uh, head injuries leading to to spinal cord injuries from these types of plays? You know, I mean, you know, I I don't think he lowered uh, low enough to do that. But at, at this point, you don't know. A lot of the times, you know, any of these compressive forces can really uh, lead to a career-ending injury. Right. Yeah, if you hit the wrong spot. Yeah. Um, and then the, the last officiating one, the Steeler game on Monday night or Sunday night, there was a foul on uh, James Conner. And uh, you see this all the time. Like sometimes, like especially when you're making a block off the ball, if you hit a guy too hard, you're getting a penalty for it. Like there was yeah, – It was a crackback, but the guy it, definitely saw him coming. It yeah. wasn't – I mean, they called it a crackback, but it wasn't a crackback. He was – they were running – at each other. He yeah. took two guys out, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. And the, the guy saw him coming the whole way, and but it's one of those things where if you hit a guy hard enough, they're going to call it a, a – the, the ref sees it like, oh, that guy went flying. Well, I mean, it had I, to be a penalty. I feel like that Kareem Hunt play is like he hit him pretty hard too. So yeah, but He's got the ball. It's a running back. Different. All right. We'll move on because I'm sure we're going to talk about it next week again. Uh, so now we got – I would just – before we move on, I would just keep an eye on to see if we there's any actual – additional change to the rule or if it's just radio silence from the NFL there's like because that we forget about because it because every week it seems like there's slowly more and more question of why where is it you know what I mean like we made this big deal about it it was there in the preseason why isn't it there now so I think uh, within I would say within the next month before Halloween there'll be something come coming out like there was a clarification of the roughing the passer something similar with this I guess that clarification was what came out of the meeting that we talked about last week that we were saying that there was going to be an upcoming meeting. That Did was that the, that that, that the roughing the passer, yes, Correct. where they didn't change anything. Yeah. 
yeah. to the rule, but they put out. A so bunch they of just yeah. basically all met, okay, clarified, and put up examples of what was of the same thing. Yeah, okay, why they good. were calling okay. some, why they weren't calling one. But I would expect them to, or they just don't do anything at all and just pretend like it's they're calling everything right. Right. Hmm. So there's the two options. All right, Kev. Sorry. All right. Uh, next up, we'll talk about this past week. So the winner of week three's NFL Way to Play award, uh, which is um, Shaq Griffin. Yeah, Shaq Griffin uh, making a special teams tackle. And this video is on the website as well. This one is like different than the previous weeks. Like the, last, the previous week's winners were like jacked up hits, like just clean jacked up hits, where this one was just like really your run of the mill form tackle, just like a a nice play. I don't want to like be insensitive about this, but so Shaq Griffin is the rookie from Seattle yeah, who has born one, with one hand. One hand. I feel like the NFL is using this to spotlight stories and things that they want to spotlight. Like, like kind of like you said, like this that that's great. I'm really it's awesome that he's playing. This is nothing against him in particular, um, but like you said, it's a it's a tackle on special teams, which is that's great. That's awesome, but. Like the first two weeks, the NFL has done guys that were on primetime games. Um, I, I think they're kind of using this uh, for maybe ulterior motives to, to aside from what the actual play is, which I guess is fine. It doesn't make it bad, but it's just something that I've kind of – Right. That was the first thing I thought of. It, it did cross my mind as well, uh, but – I think I think it's crossed a lot of people's minds, <laughs> you know. Um, it was just like so run of the mill. It wasn't like yeah. I mean, was it impressive? Yeah. At the end sure. of the day, it, is it wrong from the NFL? No, no, it's their own thing. They can do whatever they want with it. But it's just kind of yeah. But you know, he's um, to your point. There is a commercial with him, uh, him. with him in it with his brother and his dad and all this other stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I could totally see where you're coming from, Josh. Uh, next topic of discussion is uh, we we talked about this a little bit with when Evan called in. Uh, that's Adam uh, Thielen. Did no, I say that right? No, Thielen. 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 Adam Thielen, uh, who is a wide receiver. I fart. I fart. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Adam Thielen, uh, who was a wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings, and he got pulled by the booth eight or athletic trainer because he kind of took a big hit um held his head when he was on the ground showed like classic signs of like a guy with a concussion and the referee pulled him from the game and he was all sorts of fired up after that and really throwing quite the tantrum uh these guys are just so competitive that like you said they're never going to want to call him off the field i don't think most of the time they're not going to think they have a concussion but that's what they're there for so um if worst case scenario, he gets checked out. He's they clear him and he comes back in the game. Like it stinks in the moment if you got to miss a play, a drive, whatever it is. But um, it's the right steps, I think. Right. One of the subtle part, one of the subtle things for a concussion or a subtle sign of it is emotional outbursts or emotional lability. And uh, he certainly was fired up. And the question is, hey, is he just fired up because he's being taken out of the game and he's super overreacting, um, or is it because he just got whacked in the head and he actually has a little bit of a concussion and he's more uh emotionally um irritable than, and, than and did he go back in the game yeah he did you know? yeah, I, I believe he did um and i believe he caught a touchdown later on in in the game too okay. so. yeah but regardless of if he has one or not i mean like yeah. i said it's it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I, right. I agree. I agree. Yeah, with it was this. the first time I ever saw yeah. it happen. So I thought that's why I wanted to make yeah. a note of it. I still I was, think you should see it a, a lot more. Yeah. But. Could you imagine if, if if this happened here, how come it didn't happen in that, that Tom Savage? Yeah. Right. Uh, exactly. Game, Last year. Yeah. I mean, I mean come on. Guys, I'm, I'm happy to see this. Drinking yeah. sodas and eating hot dogs. <laughs> like, oh, crap. Uh, you must have missed something. <laughs> ah. <laughs> uh, okay. Josh, you've been ripping off some freaking stats for us the last few weeks. You got any more for us? Boycast. Yeah, stat, dun, 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 stat dun, dun, time. <laughs> um, so this just goes to the changing, uh, the way football is changing. Um, so, so far there have been 12 quarterbacks who have thrown for at least 400 yards in a game this season. Uh, the most in NFL history through the first four weeks of the season. Um, five individual 400-yard passing performances this week are the most in a single week in league history. Uh, so that was, that, was, that was a tweet. but. Uh, it's clear that 
all the rule changes the NFL has gone through and everything that they've done with um, not even player safety stuff, just defensive uh, illegal contact and pass interference and all this kind of stuff has made for a more wide open game. And I think this is what, I mean, in the growing up, it was, if your team had a quarterback who threw for over 300 yards, that was a huge day. Yeah. Um, but now it's, Almost every every team, every guy throws for 300 yards. 400-yard um, games are now common, and you'll see 500-yard games every once in a while yeah. uh, over the course of the year, too. Um, there's a, there was another stat that I think it's Ben uh, Rosberger, Kirk Cousins, um, Matt Stafford, and one other quarterback are all on pace to break the single-season pass attempt record this through, through four weeks. So if they continue on the pace they're on, all four of them would have break, broken the previous single season record for pass attempts in, in, in a year by, by a quarterback. And so, I mean, teams are throwing the ball 60, ti- 60 times a game. Uh, and I obviously scoring's up, passing stats are up, running stats are down. Um, this is what I think the NFL wanted. Um, I think they wanted a faster paced, higher scoring game. Um, but it's clear that that's what they're getting. I, I don't, in the long run, is that what's best for the NFL? I don't know. I mean, we talked about this a little bit last year. I feel like a lot of these safety implication or implementations, not implications, uh, with the rules and everything like that, makes a game that's more spread out, and it does happen to be higher scoring. And to me, it's almost like, all right, well, we might not have as many big hits anymore, but at least we get to see this many more touchdowns and this many more big plays. So it kind of like does that counteract? Yeah, but from it, a fan's perspective, is 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 that is a game that's getting increasingly and increasingly one-sided from an offensive perspective i mean like tilted so much towards passing is that bad for the long-term uh long-term uh football i don't think it's bad for long-term football but also to your point of 400 yard passers andrew luck was one of those and you know there was a lot of questions about his shoulder you know and he to both both your points he had like 62 attempts or something like that. And, you know, well over 400 yards passing, even through the deep ball quite a bit. So maybe answering some questions about like his own shoulder, um, previous injuries and thoughts about that too. Here's, here's, here's another question. I mean, in, uh, from a broad standpoint, what is a more dangerous play in football? Passing play or running play? Um. I mean, I don't know. I don't, if there's, yeah, I don't, I don't have the, the don't, stats. I mean, no, probably I mean, like no. catastrophic injury. I would probably think. I don't know if there's a. I'm not saying. Passing, like, I don't. But I, I I don't know if there's a right answer to this. I'm just uh, just saying. Like, is there? Like we said, they've changed rules for player safety and stuff. But is it, are there? Are there more injuries on passing plays and running plays? I mean, there's significantly more passing plays now than there. And and it's every year it increases and increases. Um, and they've changed things to protect uh, receivers from. Uh, dangerous situations, and, and if you think about it, like going back 20 years, that's why teams didn't teams didn't throw the ball over the middle because if you hung a guy out to drive the middle, you get decapitated, and it mm-hmm. wasn't even a penalty. Um, so now there's a lot more leeway. Uh, it benefits offenses more to throw and throw short and throw over the middle, and uh, defenses can't do as much. But um, on, a, on a larger scale, or some of those plays may be more dangerous. I I, I don't I don't I don't know if that's true or not, but um, I'm just not convinced that the type of game that the NFL has created is better in in the long run. I don't know if it's it's as sustainable or if it's if if it's better. Um, not that not not from a player safety standpoint at all. Um, just uh, yeah, like, where like just the the, passes, Emmett, the Emmett Smiths of the world. Yeah, and, just uh, just a passing versus running standpoint. Barry Sanders I mean, and uh, you you you're you're getting to a point where. Um, a lot of teams are just like you said; they're throwing the ball sixty, to- 60 times a game. It's get the snap, chuck it as, as get it out of the quarterback's hand as fast as you can, and do it every game. Um, I just, I don't like you said. Most things in football are very cyclical and they go up and down. But uh, with these rules, I don't know if I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, now you just got all the hybrid running backs, right? McCaffrey, Barkley, yeah, who all, or, who all catch, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. receivers, and that's but that's what benefits offenses more because right. those guys are one, they're tough to cover, but two, I mean. You didn't have backs like that, but you didn't have offenses 20 years ago. Right. So those guys were, weren't were in high demand, and they weren't used. I mean, you had Jerome Bettis. How many Jerome Bettises do you have in the NFL now? 
None. None. It's just a different. Garrett Blunt. Yeah. It's just a That's different. It. It's a different. It's a different style. So I don't know. It's just something to something to think about. I know everyone probably. It's it's a very uh, uh, opinionated question. And what style? It's basically yeah. a style thing. What style do you like? And I mean, just, if you look at the origins of football and when football first started, there was no passing, yeah. and they changed the game because it was dangerous. Because there's yeah. these huge scrums and well, guys were getting. They also were, didn't wear helmets then. I, I'm just saying, but <laughs> by spreading the field out, you kind of less, you decrease the number of opportunities to make contact with another person when you have more space to elude, you know, each other. You also had things like the night train necktie <laughs> that when you go across the middle. So, you know that there's definitely some some changes that have been made to it and. You know, some are for the better, some are yet to be seen, and some are to make the game, quote-unquote, more um, exciting. exciting. All right. Just to wrap up this episode, we're going to talk about uh, an injury from the college game, uh, and it's Tennessee State linebacker Christian Abercrombie. And it sounds like he had a similar injury to myself, just based off of a lot of the descriptions of what kind of happened and uh, it looked like he collapsed you know, going into halftime. Uh, was, he's in critical condition at Vanderbilt Hospital, and he had to have head surgery uh, like myself. But the reason, number one, I want to, like, obviously keep this kid in my prayers, and I, I hope all you guys do the same and his family as well. But to me, an injury like this is, like, a 100%, if it is, in fact, what happened to me, it's 100% preventable. You know, if you speak up and you say when you're hurt and you don't play when you're hurt, especially when it comes to your brain, this doesn't happen. You know, you give yourself time to heal and everything like that. And, you know, he comes from a smaller school. He's playing against a big SEC school. So maybe he pushed himself to play in a game that he wanted to play in. You know, it's a cool thing. Like, oh, I'm playing, Van- I'm playing Vanderbilt this weekend. Um, yeah, You know, who knows? You know, it's all a lot of speculation again. But, you know, this is – these kind of injuries are why we talk about this and why we even have this podcast. So my hope is that someone listening can help spread the word of like, hey, like if this is, you know, his buddies, like was he complaining of a headache all week and you guys just didn't say anything? Or, you know, was he just keeping it all to himself and trying to be a quote-unquote tough guy, you know? And if you're a new listener, what Kevin's referring to is potentially what's called second impact syndrome. And that's basically uh athlete suffers a concussion, um, doesn't, uh, recover fully and then gets uh, a second hit or blow to the head that causes rapid swelling in of the brain and um, leads to a catastrophic event in the brain, oftentimes, which is bleed um, and potentially life-threatening. Uh, and so, life-altering, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the explanation, Waz. And... We might be taking a a bye week next week because I'll be hiking the Grand Canyon. So uh, we're on a bye, just like all the other teams are on a bye. He's hiking the Grand Canyon. Bye week? Who just got this thrown on us? Bye week. You know, he's hiking the Grand Canyon. I'll be hiking up the stairs of my apartment. That's about it. Maybe Watson and I will do like a live show from Committed Pig if anyone wants to come out. uh, If you guys want to do your own show, I will be glad to help get you guys set up. I do not want to put that pressure on you to do it. Um, the listeners shall wait and see. Wait and see. Okay. Hooray, beer.